Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the show. Today's guest is author Nicole Delacroix, and she talks living in your truth in her new book, Sexual Confessional, and much, much more. Coming live from the Fly Studio in Commerce Township, it's the Fulfilling Life's Yearnings Podcast! And I'm your host, Blake Giovanni Thomas Soule. And if you're ready to be your best by writing the script of your life to whatever you want it to be, and taking action on your dreams, then this is the podcast for you. It's time to enter the fly zone. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's the fly host you love the most, and I'm back with another episode of Fulfilling Life's Yearnings. I go by the name of Blake Sule, and today I have another special guest for you coming on to the show to talk about how she is fulfilling life's yearnings in her own unique way. And today's guest is Nicole Delacroix. And I just asked her before the show started how to say her last name and got a little lesson real quick and that her name Delacroix is of the cross. So that's really cool to be able to get that lesson even before we start. But I'm um, Nicole Welcome to the show, and how are you doing today? Well, thank you, first of all, for having me, and I am doing wonderfully today. I'm so appreciative that you could have me on today. I love your show. I think it is a wonderful show, and more people should be listening to it. Oh. I know I enjoy it. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. So that's that's awesome that you were able to find it, and and just... By reaching out, I think that just you know stands out that this really resonated with you, like you were saying. So I'm actually really excited to have you on as well. And and just for starters, let's talk about you know who you are, what's your background, and and yeah, we'll start there. Well, I am a writer. First off, um, I am currently uh, promoting my second publication. Um, I started off writing fiction. And much like every new writer, I immediately went to the easy one, you know, Twilight mm-hmm. and not, and um, ended up falling flat on my face, I'm afraid to say. <laughs> <laughs> not, that, not that it wasn't a great book, but I, I experienced what a lot of self-published and independent authors experience, mm-hmm. is that the marketplace is so inundated with so many people getting out there, which I think is a great thing. I think everybody's voice should be heard. Unfortunately, it starts to become like standing in the middle of a concert when you're trying to get your voice heard. Right. (laughs) So um, after my first disaster, um, I started looking inward and doing a lot of introspection and was just having what we would call the worst month ever. Mm. Um, It was... Just my job, my life, everything was just sucking big time wind. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking to myself, I thought, does anybody else ever feel like this? I mean, I know they do, but do they really? And what do they do about it? So my second book, which is a nonfiction, um, started that way. Um, What I did was initially I was having this really cruddy month. Mm -hmm. Put together a survey which was mostly questions like the bigger questions like why are we here and you know what is this life all about just to get an idea of what other people did when they got into these you know depressing moods okay 
Um, unfortunately, I mentioned it to my friends, and my friends thought, well, that's really funny. You should ask a bunch of sex questions. All right. And I'm not sure exactly how much tequila I had that night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing it was quite a bit. Okay. <laughs> Because somehow my lovely little how, you know, why are we here kind of questions evolved into a lot of sex questions. Mm. And if you're not already seeking therapy when you decide you want to ask the Internet what they think of sex. Right. You might want to keep that therapist on speed dial. (laughs) Because I made the point of saying that I was going to ask anonymously what the Internet thought of sex. Which is probably the worst thing that you could do because... You know, if they have to put their name on it, they tend to be a little less aggressive. Taking their name off of it pretty much just opened the floodgates. Oh, I bet. Yeah, it took 30 days, and I had over 500 respondents, including 253 people who told me about their worst sexual experiences. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and if if you want the answer, yes, I am seeking therapy. <laughs> if you know any good psychiatrist, I need one. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm actually trying to become one, so maybe we could work something out there. <laughs> Definitely, I could be. I could be your case study. <laughs> you could write a whole thesis on the insanity that's in my head. Oh man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so um, it was funny because all I wanted was really just someone else in the world to say you know what I felt this way too and make me feel better about my thinking life Mm -hmm. and somehow doing this project brought me out of my funk first of all because I was so excited that so many people were interested in answering my stupid little questions and by the way they were really stupid Oh, it just it made me feel like my voice was actually being heard which was what drove me to that point anyways was that I wasn't being heard right so I said you know this is really cool that a lot of people answered it and then my friend my lovely friend who got me to change it to sex questions <laughs> what a really, great friend by the way <laughs> I know I really love this person and she's actually my best friend and I adore her beyond words oh. she said you know you should really just take all of that and put it into a book which when I set the survey up initially um, I had used a French company and part of the requirement was was that I had to state that their answers might be used for publication anyways okay which is why it was anonymous so they had already signed off on it anyways before even taking the survey so after I checked it all off with you know my local legal person Mm -hmm. and they said yeah you're good I was like Seriously, nobody's name is on it anyways. It's not like they can say this is my answer because they'd have to claim it. Right. So I kind of went, you know, maybe I could do that. (laughs) So I took everything and I put it into a book and I kind of started everything with my thoughts on the questions. And I thought, you know, I can't really ask people to answer questions if I don't answer them myself. Mm -hmm. And instead of being anonymous, I said, you know what? I'm going to throw caution to the wind, and I'm going to be brave, and I'm going to put my name on it. I'm going to say, this is what I think. Here I am, warts and all. Come at me. I'm fine with it. I like who I am, and I'm not going to hide it anymore. Okay. So I (laughs) uh, initially did that, and interestingly enough, I had finished the book about the time that, and, and I live in Atlanta, um, the Atlanta Writers Club 
um, was having a conference, and luckily I had gotten a chance to sign up for it, and actually met with a few agents and um, even a, a representative from one of the big publishing companies. Oh, wow. And I was blown away that my little thought in the middle of depression had changed my entire world. Wow. Uh, the agents were so excited about the project. They couldn't get enough of it. They were like, well, I want to see it. I want to see it. I don't handle that, but I would love to read it. Mm. You know, none of the agents actually handled that particular genre. So it wasn't like they were looking to sign me or anything, but I thought if I got somebody in the business, maybe they knew somebody, they might refer me. I could go with that. Right. I was completely blown away. And when I actually got the opportunity to pitch my little story to um, somebody from one of the big six publishing houses. Okay. Um, and she was incredibly nice. And she was just like, when I pitched it to her, it, you know, you get like five seconds to pitch something. Take something that you feel so passionate about and boil it down to five seconds. Wow, how do you do that? It's, it's next to near impossible. <laughs> but apparently she liked my pitch and she liked me to the point where she said, send me the book. Let me read it. Mm. So I sent it to her. And at that time, it still had a lot of the big questions like, why are we here? And it didn't have a lot of focus. And she was so very kind, and I have to admit that most everybody I've met in the publishing world, I know you're going to hear a lot of people that say, oh, they just reject you, they don't say anything nice. I got a lot of rejection. I'm the first one to say that you get a lot of form letters. But the people that I have met and actually have spoken to have connected with me and have offered me wonderful advice in this particular um She's an editor. Mm -hmm. She said that it was a really great idea and that she thought that it would could, it could be really good, but that I needed to find a better focus for it. Okay. So I went back to the drawing board, and I revamped it, and I took all the, the big questions out, and I said, you know what? Either I'm going to focus on the big questions or I'm going to focus on the sex. You know, pick one, because right. I was kind of flip-flopping between the two. So I said, well, you know what? Sex sells. Oh, so it definitely does threw the rest of it out, and I said, well, I didn't really throw it out. I just kind of pulled it out, and I've been kind of teasing it on my website. Mm -hmm. But I still have those answers, and some of them are kind of funny. Hmm. <laughs> so um, I took all the sex answers, and I put them all together, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to make it about the sex. Okay. And make it fun and not make it, you know, serious. you got so many books out there that are trying to tell you that, you're not good enough, and this is why you're not good enough, and this is what you need to do to be better. And, and I said, you know what? I don't want to do that. If I'm going to write nonfiction, I'm going to say that, you know what? You're wonderful just the way you are because Absolutely. that is the message that we should be sending to people is that, you know what? I don't care what religion, what sex, what age, whatever. I don't care about that. I think that you're a person, and you should be celebrated for who you are. So that's what I did. <laughs> That's awesome. I just want to also say thank you for saying that. You know, just just that last part there. I think is this talks about you know who you are as a person. That that, that all those other things. You know, instead of trying to break people down and try to tell them you know that no, you're wrong. That this is the way you should do it. Like accept those people, any people, because we're all people in this together for who we are and, and, and build each other up instead of you know trying to break them down. And I just want to read something that I found 
you know, when I was reading through your book from the dedication um, section, and you said, you know, this book is dedicated to those of us that day in and day out hide behind the mask of our own invention. May you find peace and serenity in this life and the next. May you know love and comfort. So that, that just speaks volumes to me. And I was wondering if you could just, you know, kind of talk about and, and parlaying, you know, why you felt that that was important to say that. And I guess, what, what are you referring to when you say that we hide behind the mask of our own invention? I, I would love to. And I, I, it's, I have that convoluted thinking. I'm a writer, so mm-hmm. as you learn, all writers are crazy in their, <laughs> in their own way. I'll fit right in. <laughs> oh, yes, you'll fit right in. <laughs> We're all kind of crazy. And, you know, I, I think, I think um, I, honestly, Alice Through the Looking, Looking Glass is one of my favorite books. And, you know, I love the part where she says, you know, I hate to tell you, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. You're authors. But guess what? All the best people are. And I think that the reason I wanted to say that was that we've got so many messages around us and not just women. And I hate it when people just say that it's women because it's not. I think young boys and young girls get the same messages. We just don't focus on them. We have so many things that tell us you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not this or you're not that or that celebrity is what it needs to be and that it's not okay to be different and you should conform and the truth of the matter is is that I think that the most interesting people in the world are the ones that don't want to conform the people who don't want to be the same I'm so sick of looking at the television set and seeing the exact same people to where I can't even I can't even tell the difference between them anymore I love people who are unique and stand out from the crowd and who are not afraid to say, you know what, I'm different, and I don't care what you think. I like who I am. Mm-hmm. I enjoy those type of people because they're accepting who they are and they embrace their differences. I don't need to be six foot two and look like a Victoria's Secret supermodel. Right. And I want other girls to say that, you know what, Yes, those women are beautiful, but you know what? So are these women. Mm-hmm. So are these everyday mom and mom and dads who take care of their kids every day. There is beauty in everything, and we need to stop tearing each other down and making this world worse than it is. We need to embrace who we are and say, you know what? Let's celebrate our differences. Let's look at each other and say, you know what? Sure, you may have a quality that I don't appreciate, but I'm going to find something about you that I do like, and I'm going to celebrate that, and I'm going to like you because of that. And if everybody in the world did that, what a beautiful world would this be? It would be truly amazing. And I I just want to ask, you know, how did you, you know, get to be the way you are as far as, you know, your mindset about, you know, what you just shared? Honestly... I think I I pride my mother on that. Mm -hmm. My mother grew up in Germany after the war, and her mother was a single mom with four kids. Um, My mom met my dad when she was, I think, 16 or 17. She didn't even speak English. (laughs) She came to this country, and she learned how to speak English on her own. She 
pushed herself to learn more, to know more. And when I was growing up, my mother, she never, and I don't know if it's a European sensibility because my mother was so European when I was growing up. It was a, you know, you don't get to judge people because of the way they look or the way they sound. My mother would instill in me is that, you know what, find that one kid on the playground that has nobody to talk to and go talk to them. She told me the best people in this world are the people that tend to be alone. And she said, find those people because they'll be the best people in your life and learn something about them. And if you find somebody you don't like, find something about them that you can appreciate. And if you do that, you'll never hate anybody. And I, I think my mother taught me that hate is like an anchor on your heart and it just drags you down. She said, if you put air in your heart, it's love, and it lifts you up. And I would much rather be up in the sun than down on the ground. Wow, that is, that is so powerful and, and profound, too. You know, because that's something that I guess it gets thrown around in, in today's time as far as almost as if, like, people are finding it. I don't know if you see this the same way as well, but... When I hear you talk about this, I, I can truly hear and feel that this is what you believe and it's not something like a fad for you. You know, you're not like jumping on the bandwagon and saying, oh, today it's cool to go speak to that person that's all alone. You're, you're doing it because you genuinely care as opposed to, and from what I see sometimes is that people just kind of like jump on because like it's what everyone else is doing i guess it goes back to your your topic earlier about uh people wanting to conform i guess to to what's happening do you kind of see it that same way you know i think i do and and i think a lot of our sensibility comes from this instant celebrity that we've got going on mm-hmm. i don't care if somebody's famous or not i like to look at the core of the person yes and a lot of these, a lot of celebrities, and I'm not picking on anybody, they're just everyday people. And I get that, you know what, they have a job where they're in front of a bunch of people, but so are teachers. Mm-hmm. So are politicians. And we need to hold people who want to be out in the limelight to a higher standard. I'm sorry, but I disagree with shows like 16 and Pregnant. I don't think that that's something that we should put a celebrity on. Yes, see how these people go from a situation that could be difficult and into a better situation, but we've we've made this world where everybody wants to be famous. Mm. Nobody has any compassion for their next door neighbor, but hey, if you like me on Twitter, let's talk about it, right? It's Mm. like, and the sad part is, is that, you know, we all say stupid things. We all do stupid things, and there's no... There's no compassion for that. I mean, this past weekend we had these horrible things happen and everybody's focused on this one. Well, you know, yes, that was a a terrible tragedy, but you know what? There is tragedy all over the world. People died all over the world. Why are we not compassionate for everything that happens? And I guess, you know, the way I grew up, I've always been a very sensitive person and I've always... If somebody is in the same room with me and they start crying, they're not going to be crying alone because nobody cries alone in my presence. 
It's just how I'm built. I, I, I'm very empathic to other people's problems and issues. And I guess that's probably why most of my friends call me when they have problems <laughs> because they know that I'm going to listen to them and I'm going to say, okay, let's fix this. Instead of saying, hey, this is what you need to do. I say, okay, how do you want to fix this? Tell me what we can do. And we'll do it. Because if we all just started looking at our fellow human being and saying, how can I help this person get to where they need to be? Instead of saying, oh, I want to be like so-and-so. Mm-hmm. You know what? Try being a good person. You know what? I, w- I, have more, I have more respect for somebody who's a single mom working two jobs, who goes to work and never complains and takes care of her kids and does everything that she could than I do some celebrity who's tweeting all the time about stupid stuff and is famous for nothing more than being famous. I have more respect for that single mom. Because to me, she looks at her life and her responsibilities, and she says, you know what, I'm going to take this seriously. And I think we've gotten to that point where we're not very serious anymore. I don't know where that happened, and maybe we need to get back to it. I don't know. But if I can just get one person to say, I'm going to look at somebody else, and I'm going to say instead of, Instead of looking at that poor man on the corner who doesn't have a job and who's asking for a handout and saying, hey, what can I do to help you? Instead of handing them money and saying, you know what, never mind. Let's do this. Let me get you something to eat. Let me help you. Do you need stuff? What do you need? Mm -hmm. And we need to start taking care of each other because this is all we've got, people. There isn't anything else. You can't promise anything in the next lifetime because we don't know. And anybody who's been to the next world can't tell us because they don't get to come back. (laughs) So we have to assume that this is all there is and we have to make the best of it. And I, excuse me, and I agree with that, you know, fully, especially there was the part where you talked about, you know, wanting to be like the the celebrity that's doing something or or I always go back to this and I spoke about this um, a few weeks ago on on an episode with another guest and and I was saying you know people should just be good people because they want to not because they're um, and, and the thing we were talking about was religion and not because the religion says you have to be a good person or 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 if you believe in that or if you're saying well I want to be able to go to heaven and not hell if you follow follow that ideology and in, 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 um, in that belief system as far as that you have to do these I guess these deeds and, and you're just doing them almost like a checklist as opposed to fully caring and actually wanting to be of service to others and just and just be a good person through and through because the one thing that I always hear is that when people are upset and I, I know we're all human but one of those things where someone says, well, you better be glad I'm a, you know, so-and-so religion. Otherwise, I would have, you know, done X, Y, and Z to you. And it's always like, why does your religion, you know, is the only thing that's keeping you from do that? Like, should you just want to be that way just because that's how you want to be, not because you're being burdened to do it? Exactly. I think that that religion and you know, whatever religion people decide they want to subscribe to 
it's not a checklist. Mm-hmm. It's not like you get, oh, it's not like you go to like the pink berry and get your card punched. Right. It's, it's not the same thing. And it's like, oh, I did this. Let me punch my card. Oh, I did this. Let me punch my card. It's like you don't get to turn your pink berry card in when you die and they right. go, okay, you've got three of the five big ones. Right. To in. That's not how it works. I, I agree with you completely. I think that we should take religion out of the aspect and we should strive to be a good human being. And we all know what right and wrong is. We know that it's we know that it's wrong to hurt someone. And yes, there are times when you're gonna say stupid things and you're gonna hurt people. Well, you know what? I think every religion believes this is that it's not about not doing stuff. It's about doing the right things. Mm-hmm. It's if you hurt someone, you go back to them and you say, you know what? I'm an idiot. I did this and I'm so sorry that I hurt you. And that you try to make amends for those things that you do. And I think the best people are going to say, you know what? I'm going to try and embrace a little bit of that in my life. It doesn't matter if you're Christian or Catholic or Muslim or this, it doesn't make a difference because every religion believes the same thing is that you should always ultimately try to be the best human being that you can be. And we're all going to falter. We're all going to do stupid things. It's acceptable. Mm -hmm. It's what you do after that matters. When you do something stupid, do you make up for it? You know, that's what makes the difference. And I think that's probably why our justice system fails a lot of times is that it's not about the crime. It's about, do you feel remorse afterwards and how are you going to make amends for it? Mm. You don't focus enough on that. Mm. And I think that if we teach our children young enough to say that, you know what, it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to fall. It's getting back up and how you treat yourself and others afterwards that makes the difference in the world. And we got to teach people to be better and expect more. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think that was, that was an interesting segue as far as when you were talking about the, what you do when you, you know, after you falter. Because that's always going to happen. I'm not uh, wanting anyone to prescribe to, well, I'm perfect so I don't make mistakes. Because that, that, that's just unrealistic. You're always going to make mistakes. I mean, gosh, I... I can't even count how many mistakes I make each and every day, but you know, I do my best to, you know, come to you know grips with them, you know, you know, live in them, and and accept that I made a mistake, and 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 strive to do better, and and I'm sure that is also definitely the same for you. And there was something that stuck out in what you were talking about with that person who, you know, if they mess up, they go and talk with whomever they you know offended or whatever, and. And I think that's a great part to bring in. There was something that you said before we started with there being a lack of communication. And and that would definitely probably be uh, uh, an area to bring up as why, you know, people aren't as, I guess, connected or relationship-oriented into looking after their fellow human being. Can you just address, you know, what this lack of communication means and, and why it's there and how we, you know, fix it? 
Well, I'm not sure if I know how we fix it. Mm-hmm. If I did, I'd probably go ahead and put that plan in the book. <laughs> I'm, I'm an Aries. I like to lead. Oh, me too. <laughs> like, April 13th. I'm April 20th. I'm right on the cusp, oh, too. Wow. It's like right on that edge. So I've got, you know, my mother makes a joke about it because I'm Aries and Taurus. Okay. So I'm, I'm the ram and the bull. So I've got stubborn down to an art. <laughs> <laughs> Which she's right. I do. Mm-hmm. But communication is is so key and it's if you start looking back at everything in the world that has happened it's all due to a lack of communication every war everything is all about we can't sit down and we can't come to a resolution because we can't communicate properly and yes there are times when we're never going to be able to communicate and we're going to have to pick up physical arms i'm not saying that doesn't happen It's a tragedy when it does, but we have to learn to limit those times. That shouldn't be our first go-to. And I think that we've gotten to that point where we've got so much going on in the world. We spend more time looking at our computers and our laptops and our phones and our MP3 players and our televisions that what happened to talking to your kids after they got home from school? Right. What happened to talking to your friends? I remember growing up on military bases. My dad was military. Okay. And, you know, it was it was known that the kids are going to be out until the streetlight comes on. When the streetlight comes on, then you got to be home. Mm-hmm. And mom and dad are there, and we sit down and we have dinner all together. Now, not everybody gets that kind of childhood. I was blessed. I had a lovely childhood. My mom and dad made sure that I, I never wanted anything. Well... I'll say that I still want the car that I wanted when I was 16, but, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, they just couldn't afford it, so life goes on. (laughs) But there wasn't anything that I needed that I didn't have. Um, My mom and dad made sure of that, and there are a lot of kids in this world that don't have that, and I think that we should, if we communicated more as a community and believed that every child should be raised by everyone, that there would be no children that go hungry or that are abused or had problems because they would have other people in their lives that they could talk to. And I think that we have gotten so far away from, you know, I remember walking home from school and I knew everybody on my street. I would say hi to them every day. I knew who they were. They knew who I was. Um, when I was, I think, seven I was riding my bike home one day, and I got hit by a car. Oh, no. I didn't come home for 45 minutes. I was late. Every neighbor was out looking for me because they knew that I wasn't there. Right. They knew they hadn't seen me, so they were looking for me. And, I mean, it was it was a mind. I mean, I got bumped off my bike, and I think I lost, like, my front teeth. Mm. You know, I was seven, and they were going to come out anyway, so, you know, big thing. Right. I think my mother still has a picture of me with no front teeth, <laughs> which I think she loves to pull out to embarrass me. Oh, definitely. That's what moms love doing. <laughs> well, that's what they're there for. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the fact is, is that, you know, we've got kids that are disappearing and people aren't looking for them. Kids that fall through the system. And we need to be better as a community and expect better of our leaders. You know what? Stop focusing on things that we can't fix in other countries and start looking at the problems that we can fix in this country. You've got so many children in foster care right now that need good homes that can't find them because 
they're too old or they have problems and nobody's helping those kids. And those kids grow up and they become dysfunctional adults. Mm -hmm. And guess what? They become society's problems. So at some point, we have to deal with that problem. So do we want to deal with them when they're young enough that we can change their behavior and make them good, wonderful citizens of this country? Or do we want to wait until they're spending time behind bars because nobody ever showed them the right way to live? Right. And I think that communication is key in, in those aspects. I mean, kids should feel comfortable to talk to a teacher and say, things aren't right at home. Mm -hmm. We don't have money or we don't have food. And people shouldn't be afraid to say what they think. And yes, there are ways of saying it. You know, the hate in this country is at a boiling point. And we have got to get away from it. You know what? I personally don't hate anyone. I feel sorry for them. Because if you hate someone just because of what they look like, mm -hmm. what religion is, or how old they are, how young they are, you miss the beauty of what that person can do. And I look at a person and I see opportunity where other people hate and they just look at them and they say, you're just a drag on society. Well, you never know when the next Einstein is going to come around. Right. You don't know who that person is. And if you have those answers, then guess what? You should probably be running some Fortune 500 company. Mm -hmm. If you're not, then your opinion doesn't matter to me. That's just how I see it. I, I have no time for people who hate. Mm -hmm. There's no point to it. It doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't win you any friends. And guess what? It just makes you look sad and pathetic. <laughs> Oh, definitely. I, I agree 100%. And I want to, you know, kind of segue because I think that those were a lot of important things as far as communication. But in your in your book, and I'm going to kind of talk about that briefly, is, is the opening, you know, chapter where you say, let's talk about sex. And, and you bring up, you know, relationships as another important piece of communication and talk about trust and and that spark can you just you know talk about you know where where you were going with that and as far as you know us as people you know what what sorts of things i guess do you do in your own life that that help you you know build these relationships and and exert the points that you were um bringing up I think what I was trying to say in my book was that we we all have the same experiences. Mm -hmm. We just see them from different eyes. And I think a lot of what I was trying to say is that, you know, trust is something that you have to earn. And in relationships, you have the you have some people who think that trust is something that should be given and they, they don't have to earn it. Every day that you're with someone and you spend your life with that person, there's a trust that's building automatically. Mm -hmm. If for some reason one or the other decides that they want to spend time with someone else, then you should respect the person that you're with and say so. Because it's not necessarily a betrayal to spend time with someone else, like talking to someone else. But if you're hiding it, then you know deep down inside it's wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of the problems in this world is because we try to sugarcoat a lot of things and we don't feel like we can say stuff to each other. 
when I'm with someone, I'm going to, I'm going to be with that person and I'm going to give everything that I have to that person. Mm. If at some point I feel like I've been disrespected or that it's not going where I want it to go, then I'm going to have the respect, not only for that person, but for myself Okay. to say, you know what? This isn't working. This is how I feel about it. And this is where we are. And I'm going to talk to them mm. because I think that it's disrespectful to someone else and to yourself to, to try and hide things behind people's backs. It's not, it's not worth it. It just makes you cheap. It makes you less of a person. And I, I personally, I say, you know what? If I'm going to be with someone else, then I'm going to be with someone else. But I'm not going to do it behind somebody's back. If you have to hide something or if you don't want to say it out loud and proud, then it's not worth hiding. Mm. And that's something you shouldn't pursue. It just isn't. It's wrong. You know it because you're trying to hide it. And I think that a lot of people get to this point where, oh, well, I don't want to hurt the other person. But if you stop and think about it, if they knew what you were doing, wouldn't it hurt them anyway? Right. Wouldn't it hurt a lot less if you went to them and said, hey, you know what? This isn't working for me and we need to we need to cut this off because I'm, I'm having feelings for someone else. Mm-hmm. I haven't acted on those feelings, but I have feelings for someone else and I think I need to explore them. Because... At, at the very least, yeah, it's going to hurt them a little bit, but at least they're going to understand that, you know, this is where it broke down. And maybe it helps them either fix the problem and say, hey, you know, I've been feeling this too. And it opens that door to communication. And I'm not saying that we have to be mean or ugly to each other because I, I don't advocate that at all. Mm-hmm. Honest is one thing. Mean is another. Being honest with someone and saying, this is how I feel about you and offering up something good that you like. And I guess that's my own mindset is like, if I said to you, I said, Blake, I think you're a wonderful person. I think you're kind and you're caring. I just don't feel that way for you. Mm -hmm. It has less of a connotation than if I said, you know what? I'm just not that into you. Right. (laughs) There's a way of saying it and finding, finding that, spark of something in someone and saying you know what I think you're a great person I think you're wonderful and fantastic for some reason I'm just not feeling the spark with you I don't know why and moving on instead Mm -hmm. letting somebody think that there's this chance that you're going to come back to them and, and I've had a lot of guys do that to me and I understand that they think it's the best thing to do because they don't want to hurt somebody's feelings but you know what my feelings get way hurt when people don't give me an honest answer. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather have somebody come to me and say, hey, Nicole, I, I'm just not feeling it with you. Or I think your book is crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I think you're full of bull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd much rather have that than somebody to say, well, you know, I thought your book was okay. But, um, you know, because. That right there is as soon as you hear that but um mm-hmm. you just know that they're <laughs> they're they're laying it on. Oh yeah. And you know, if you find a way, and I think if you stop and you look at each person that you know, especially people you dislike, and I think I learned this early on from my mother. Okay. Finding people that you dislike and finding something about them that you could like. It helps you to communicate those difficult things that you have to say 
Um, like I work with somebody that I don't particularly think is they're shady in my opinion. Okay. But I think that they're incredibly intelligent. I think they're incredibly capable and as a person outside of a work environment, I think that they're a very fun person to be around. But in their work dealings, I find some of the things that they do to be a little bit backhanded. Okay. Now, when I talk to this person, I tell them, you know, I think you're a great person. But when you did this, it came across to me like you were trying to, you know, be all about it's about me mm-hmm. of, you know, championing somebody else. And I've learned that even though I disliked this person when I first met them, we've now built a work relationship where I can almost say that they're, that we're good acquaintances. Okay. I learned, I think that hate is a learned behavior. And I think just like you can hate somebody, I think you can learn to like someone and you can learn to love someone. And it's all about making a choice, choosing to see the good in people or choosing to see the bad in people. And I think that we just need to stop making the choice to see the bad things and start looking for the good things because we've gotten to the point where we just don't care about the good things anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting point that you brought up there because as you were saying, you know, it, it, it is better if you, you know, especially when you were talking about attraction or, or in a relationship with someone else that if, if, or whatever that how the extent of that relationship, if there's something on your mind that you want to express, you know, don't keep it in or 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 talk about it behind that person's back. If that's someone that you are planning on developing a friendship with, and this is what someone else told me on a previous episode that if you're, you know, in a sense being dishonest about you know what you feel, then you're almost. Uh, allowing that person that you're with, whether it's an acquaintance or someone that you're intimate with in the relationship, that you're allowing them to have this this false reality of, of what's really going on when, when you're not being completely there with that person. And I think you hit it right on the head when you talk about, you know, just be open. But I did want to ask why, and I know you said that, you know, it, that it might be because we don't want to uh, offend the other person or hurt the other person, which always ends up happening anyways when you're not honest. But is there anything else that it comes down to as for why people don't um, want or or they try to avoid these types of honest relationships? Well, uh, there are so many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Previous experience is probably the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's kind of everybody's go-to. Um, perfectly honest, in my opinion, I think it's fear. Okay. I think that we're scared of people not liking us. Um, I think that we're scared of hurting people's fear- feelings. I think we're scared of what might or might not happen. And I've gotten to the point in my life where I stop looking at things with those beer goggles. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of like beer goggles. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I start looking at these situations and thinking, if I make this decision, how does it affect me? And I think that we've all gotten really good at saying, you know what, 
if, if somebody came to me and said, hey, Nicole, let's go jump out of a plane. The first thing I'm going to jump to is, unless the plane is on fire, <laughs> I don't see Nicole jumping out of anything. <laughs> it's it's kind of like my friend says, let's go for a run. I'm like, are dogs going to chase us? Because don't see it happening. But then I stop and I think, okay, well, why wouldn't I want to? Why wouldn't I want to do this? Okay, am I afraid of jumping out of the plane? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that shoot is not going to open. I'm going to die and it's going to be painful. (laughs) (laughs) But consequently, I have missed by saying no, I have missed the joy of falling and the exhilaration of seeing the world in a different way. Mm. And I've missed that excitement and that adrenaline rush of waiting for the shoot to open and the shoot opening and knowing that I'm safe. And seeing the beauty of our world. So I've missed all of that by saying no. So, you know, I've made a conscious choice in my life to say, I'm going to take my fear goggles off Mm -hmm. every now and again. And something that I would, my knee-jerk reaction would be to say, oh, no. All right, all right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm going to say, no, okay, hang on just a second. And nine times out of ten, it's still going to be no, but (laughs) (laughs) I still haven't jumped out of the plane, and it's probably never going to happen, mostly because I don't want to die, which I, I, it's perfectly safe, and I know that in my head, rationally, I know this, but it's like the women that are scared of spiders. (laughs) (laughs) They can't hurt you, but it doesn't matter. They're in a rational fear, and, you know, I have an irrational fear of death. And I think that's healthy. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. But, you know, I'm also going to stop and I'm going to think, what experience am I going to leave behind by saying no? And I'm going to start valuing those experiences because they do have value. And I think that failure is a wonderful teacher. Mm -hmm. I failed horribly the first time I put my book out, the Mm -hmm. first time I put out my book. And look at what it led me to. Right. led me to a whole new understanding of how our world works and a whole new opportunity to meet wonderful people like you and everybody else that's out there. And it's taught me to be open to these experiences and not to keep myself hidden anymore because we do put on these masks. We want people to like us and we want, we want fame and we want money and we want all of these things. And I got news for you people You can't take any of that with you. Nope. The only fame that matters is living life the best way that you can. Having children or people in your life that will say, I miss that person when you're gone. That's the only thing in this world that matters. And yeah, it would be great to have millions of people to say that. But you know what? Only one person matters. Mm -hmm. That's it. Everybody else is just static. As long as one person says, I miss that person and I wish they were here, that's the only thing that you should hope for. Anything else is just gravy. That's all it is. And I think that's a, 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 a powerful statement because like, as you were saying that we tend to want to be liked to be everyone. And, you know, I was even that same way growing up, not not wanting to hurt anyone's feelings and then, and then coming to realize as you talked about, you know, so eloquently that by doing that, you end up hurting people, you know, way worse. But, you know, those were 
teaching experiences and, and, and just, I call them exper experiential learning opportunities where, where real, real world things go down and then you're able to learn from them and, and, and grow as far as, as a person. And I just want to, you know, take a step back a little and, and unpack um, what you were saying and, and see if you can um, share an example because when you were talking about, you know, fear, what, what is something that, that you've done where you would have normally said, oh, heck no or hell no, I'm not going to do that, but you um, went ahead and, and did it? Well, and I have a perfect example for you. I am the casebook study of an introvert. Okay. I hate speaking in public. Absolutely hate it. Mm -hmm. We have these lovely little like picnics at work where, you know, they, they announce to everybody what they're doing and mm -hmm. you know, you get little prizes since you've been there for, you know, umpteen million years and all those lovely things. And I hate those things. Okay. I hate being in the spotlight. I hate having my picture taken. I'm just, I, you know, I just want to be the wallflower girl. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I <laughs> being on the, on the wall. I like holding the walls up. Okay. They don't bother me. <laughs> and they, you know, the, the friends in my head and the friends in my computers are the only ones I can deal with. <laughs> so a, a lot of, a lot of what I've been doing is my fear is that I hate being singled out and put on display. Okay. So, they have these lovely little picnic things, and I volunteered <laughs> to be the MC. Mm. <laughs> so I had to be in front of the entire company, which for an introvert, more than five people, because in my head, all I can think of is they're going to stampede. <laughs> <laughs> five people is enough to kill you. <laughs> this is in front of 1,500 people. So, of course, you know, my heart is palpitating, and I'm, I'm panicking, and mm -hmm. I'm thinking, Oh God! I'm gonna fall on my face. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do or say something stupid or worse. I'm gonna stand out there. I'm gonna freeze and I'm gonna wet myself. Right. Because you know all the worst things come to mind. Oh, definitely. Oh, absolutely. So, um, I there's one of the guys that normally does the emceeing, and he is absolutely hilarious and so funny. He is the typical cancer. He's the life of the party. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves him. And I said to him, I said, Rick, please do this with me because I swear to God, I'm going to stand out there. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to go eat and be ghost. <laughs> you guys are going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. I'll come, I'll come up there with you. We'll have fun. And went up there with me. And not only did we have fun, but based on everybody's response to it, they thought that our little skit and our emceeing and our banter back and forth was the best it had ever been. Really? That's awesome. So not only did I not fall on my face, and I didn't wet myself, by the way. <laughs> Just want to put that out there. I did not. <laughs> but I learned that, that you know, even though I was frightened to death, and by the way, I was pretty sure I was going to have a heart attack. Oh, wow. I was in the back, like, having panic attacks and doing the dry heaves and going, <laughs> can't breathe. <laughs> and I got out there and I was fine. I, was, I mean, I was nervous for, like, the first three seconds. And then I remembered, I know all of these people. Right. I was fine. And, you know, I made fun of the fact that I was so introverted. I was like, I know many of you know who I am, but have never seen me in public. I know because I hide against the wall, blah, blah, blah. And everybody just thought it was funny because I was so self-deprecating. Mm. <laughs> they were like, oh, they felt so they felt sorry for me, I think. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, 
Rick Helt because he's so funny and so wonderful. So, and then I immediately went to sarcasm with him. Okay. <laughs> which I'm, <laughs> I am like the queen of sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> and of course we had this great little sharp banter back and forth and it was funny and everybody enjoyed it. And we had a great time. So at that point, Rick came to me and he said, you know, you got this new book coming out. He said, you really need to like stretch your wings. You do great. You're going to be fine. Get a couple of interviews under your belt. You'll feel great. Mm -hmm. So I started with print and I did okay. And then I said, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to spread my wings a little bit. And I started reaching out to shows like yours. Okay. And said, I'm going to, you know, get my feet wet. And I actually did a live interview and oh, wow. I put it in my head that, you know, there was only five people listening. There's only five people listening. <laughs> five people listening and it turns out there was like something like 20,000 people listening wow so yeah I didn't find that out until after <laughs> I did it so that was good because I think I fainted for a minute there oh geez <laughs> but it was one of those things that I would have normally just said no no way I'm mm -hmm. not gonna do this and I've I found that I I have I like talking to people and I absolutely I, not introverted and I have a great time and and I have a lot of things to say that I want to share with people and I find wonderful people like yourself that I just get along great with and I have a great time doing it and so I'm just going to continue to do it and the things that I would normally say no to I'm going to stop myself from going no mm -hmm. I'm going to say hmm hang on and I'm going to do that little pro and con inside and say is it worth doing is the experience worth the trauma that right. I have from doing it and realize that, you know what, life is about living. And we oftentimes stop ourselves from living. We stop ourselves from having the piece of cake. We stop ourselves from talking to the cute guy or the cute girl. And we stop ourselves from going over and saying hi to the new person because we're so afraid. And what are we so afraid of? What's the worst that somebody can say? No. Right. I've heard that about 3,000 times this year. Guess what? It doesn't hurt so much. Nope. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? If you walk over to somebody and you say, hey, you know, I think you're attractive. And they go, yeah, well, I don't think you're so attractive. Oh, okay. Well, now you're not so attractive anymore. Gotta go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I take it back. Well, like, I'm not. <laughs> you know, I thought you were a nice person and now you're just a jerk. So I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> but you never know. You might walk over and that cute guy or that cute girl might go, you know what? I thought you were really cute, too, and I'm glad you came over. Right. And right. all of a sudden, it's, hello. <laughs> and that feels, and I think, you no, know, what you're talking about there feels, you know, amazing. And and even another guest was sharing sharing the same sort of insight. And, and that's what I love about the show is that finding like having different people from you know different backgrounds and perspectives and and it, and it kind of almost boiled down into one part that I want to mention there is that as as now I think you are someone who is epitomizing you know what what at least what I envision in my mind when I talk about fulfilling life's yearnings now you're saying you're you're doing those things that you would typically say no to <clears throat> and and you're doing more of them and by the way i just want to applaud you because I, I i've learned so much from you even from the short time that we've talked and it feels like i've you know talked to you thousands of times before just because of just where your mind goes and 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 the sort of in-depth insight that that you you know were able to share today and one of those things that 
that you mentioned as far as like overcoming fear or 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 having that fear be there in the first place, especially when it comes to uh maybe getting rejected or having someone tell you no, is that, and maybe this might be the same for you, is that to me it seemed like it came down to being comfortable with it. It's like one of those things, if, if you're adverse to doing something or if you've never done it before, then it then of course it's going to have that, that initial thousand times resistance of, of getting yourself to do it. But it's like, as you were saying, when you're, you know, joking about yourself on the stage, that the, the more and more you do it, that the, the, the less and less you become fearful of it. Absolutely. And I think, I think my example on this is Barbara Streisand. Mm -hmm. She is an introvert. She hates speaking in public. She hates singing in public. And yet she is considered one of the best singers in the world. Mm. And people clamor to go to her concerts, but she still, to this day, after being in the business for, what, 9,000 years, I right. think, <laughs> she still gets stage fright. So if somebody who's done this a thousand times before is still getting stage fright, who's to say that that's not the way it's supposed to be? Mm -hmm. And I think that you can, it goes back to that finding beauty in even those ugly moments is that that pit of your stomach when it gets upset and you think, oh, God, the worst could possibly happen. Isn't that where we feel the most alive? Right. It definitely it should, is. Shouldn't it be that way? Shouldn't we want to feel those things? It lets you know that you're alive and that you have feelings and that, you, that you're breathing and that everything in your life matters mm -hmm. and should be that way. And yes, you could fall and you could fail terribly, but it's about how you fall and how you fail and what you do when you do is how do you get back up? You know, Robert Downey Jr. is a perfect example of it. Mm -hmm. The man fell so hard. He had drugs. He had everything, lost everything. And look at him now. He is, he's put himself back up and he's back on top. Right. And a lot of people love him for that because he did get down into the darkest parts of ourselves. We have to embrace everything. We have to realize that we're not perfect, that we will make mistakes. And we need to learn from those mistakes and embrace them and say, you know what? I'm not perfect. But you know what? I am perfectly me. Mm -hmm. And that's all that matters. I think you summed that up. Perfectly, and 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 thank you for sh you know for sharing that. And I just want to transition just quickly to you know your your latest book, um, the Confessionals, and what. And I know it's you know a lot of different questions that that you came up with dealing with sex, and and um, what is the the the, the takeaway. or the message that you you know wanted to give at the end end of the book? Why? Why does um, someone pick up your book and, and what were you hoping for them to you know, take away from the experience? Well, honestly, what I wanted them to do is to see that, one, it's okay to be honest. It's mm -hmm. okay to say those dark parts of yourself and share them, even if it's just anonymously with someone. Mm -hmm. that it's, it's okay to be who you are. It's okay. 
there's nothing wrong with the things that go on in your head. You're not crazy. Although, you know, some of us are. Oh, yeah. I'm the first one to say it, but you know what? I'm basically opening the doors and saying, I'm crazy too. Come on in. Right. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay to be crazy. It's all right. And I wanted people to see that, you know what? Even if just a little bit of it sticks, just a little bit, that maybe that guy who's been looking at the girl and wants to go and talk to her says, you know what? Maybe I can go over there and talk to them. Or the girl that says, I'm not happy in this relationship, but I don't know how to do anything about it, finds the courage to say, you know what? I'm not happy. And it is about embracing who you are and being happy and being happy with yourself because you can't be happy with someone else if you're not happy with yourself. So what I would love for my readers to take away is at the end of the book, I wrote my own personal things. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of it was trying to, to express what I was trying to say was that it's okay to be who you are. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fail. And it's okay to live honestly. And that's what we should be doing is take off the mask. Stop worrying about what everybody else thinks about you and think, what do I think about myself? Do I like myself? What is it about myself that I don't like? And stop going to those places like, oh, I don't like the way my boobs look or I don't like the way my my butt looks. You know what? Those things are so superficial, they don't matter. Mm -hmm. Look inside and say, am I a good person? In a situation where I choose to be good or I choose to be bad, do I choose to be good? Mm -hmm. And do I feel bad when I choose to be bad? Do I regret it and do I want to apologize? Does that make me a good person? And that's what I want people to see is that it's okay to fall. It's okay to make mistakes. But if you're a good person all the time, not just when it matters, like on Christmas when you go to church. Right. Because we all know that's what you do. So don't, <laughs> don't try and fall like you. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, the churches are kind of empty until Christmas rolls around. Mm-hmm. Just saying. <laughs> but, you know. As long as you're a good person, it doesn't matter what religion you are. And it doesn't matter religion I am. Because if I'm a good person too, it doesn't matter. That's all that matters is that we we try to be the best human beings, not only to other people, but to ourselves. And that's what I want people to take from my book is that they see that you can be honest. And yeah, a lot of it was trying to be funny and Mm -hmm. trying to be flip and I think I, I think I covered it a couple of times. I know some people told me I'm funny. I think I'm funny. No, I'm, I love your sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I tried to be non-judgmental, but mm-hmm. there were a couple of things in there that I kind of had to. Okay, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't get this, but all right, as long as you're not breaking any laws, it's right. okay. <laughs> I don't get it, but you know, moving on. <laughs> but I mean, I want people to say that it's okay to want certain people to like you, but like yourself first. Yes. And that's the most important thing, because I promise you, if you like and you love who you are, everybody else will not matter. Nobody else will matter except for the person that you are. And the people who love you just the way you are are going to be the people that continue to love you the way you are. 
friends and family, loved ones, they will always love who you are. And guess what? They've seen you at your worst. Oh, you yeah. know, when you're deathly sick and you got the snot bubble rubbing, running down your face and you're just the worst patient on the face of the planet, <laughs> they still love you. They may not like you very much, but they still love you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I promise you that celebrity doesn't care about the snot bubble on your face. Right. They don't care. And they're not going to take care of you when times are tough. They're not gonna. They're not gonna be there for you when when the guy just broke your heart, and listen to you cry over it. They're not gonna be there to comfort you in those bad times, and you gotta stop putting these people on pedestals because guess what? They're human too. Mm-hmm. They make mistakes. They do stupid things. They say stupid things. And by the way, I've met a few of them, and they are just plain stupid. <laughs> I'm just saying, they come in all flavors. Definitely. And all sizes. There are some really, really great celebrities that I admire too, but it's just admiration. It doesn't go past that. Right. I don't want to be them. Mm-hmm. I want to be me. I think I'm great. I'm fabulous. And I think Blake is fabulous. And oh, I think Blake you. should be Blake. I don't think anybody else should be Blake. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at things. And that's what I want people to take from my book is that it's okay to be you. You should be running through walls and there should be a hole shaped just like you in that wall. You should be busting down walls and breaking the glass ceiling and telling people exactly what you think of them in a nice way so that you don't regret it the next day. You should say, you know what? I think that you're a mean person and I'm done with you. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have anything to do with you because your opinion doesn't matter to me. You You don't take up any space in my life. I'm done. Or say... You make the world go round for me. And remember that, you know what? There's going to come a time when the people you love the most are not going to be in your life. So every day, look at them with all the love that you can and say, I love you. Even if you hate them at that moment, just say, I love you. Because let that be the last thing you say to them. Because you never know. And if you love your friends, tell them you love them. I know it sounds silly, I get on the phone with my best friend and the last thing we say to each other is I love you Mm. because we do. That's just how we are. My friends know how I feel about them because I tell them because they know they could call me at three o'clock in the morning on a drunk dial and go, Oh my God, he (laughs) broke up with me. And I'm going to go, yeah, I told you he was going to do that, but you know what? We'll cry about that. Hang on. Let me get up. Right. Because that's how we are. And if you treat everybody like you do your best friend, or your mom, or the person that you love the most in this world, everybody should start treating everyone that way. And guess what? All of a sudden, all of these stupid little things aren't going to matter anymore. That is incredible that you just shared that. And I'm just blown away by by what you know that last statement. And I was going to ask you about a call to action, but you know that summed it up. You know, right there, that don't don't care about you know the people who don't matter about what they think about you. You know, love yourself first, and and then love those who who you care about and enjoy spending time with. And I think that's just a a, a great takeaway and 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 message that you give at the end of your book. And so, thank you for sharing that. So welcome, and thank you so much for having me. I will add one thing to Absolutely. it. Absolutely, 
just one thing. Mm -hmm. If you find someone in your world who hates just because they like to hate, and we all know who these people are. Oh, yeah. They're they're crazy, and they're stupid, and we're not going to say anything Westboro Baptist Church. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Let me just say, the one thing and the only thing that drives them crazier, don't come back at them with hate. Come back at them with love. Because it drives them crazy. They don't understand it. They don't have it. They don't have it in their hearts. They can't fight it. So you want to drive them crazy? You want to make them leave this planet? Love them. Give them love and nothing but love. Don't let them get to you. I know they say stupid things. I know it. They say it to me. They say it to They drive me crazy too. But you know what? I try to find a good in them and give them love. That's all I say. Give people love because I promise you it will come back to you. Absolutely. Don't 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 become the thing that that's not you just to get back at someone. So I think that that's a great message. And then the final question I do want to ask is if you had to give a definition for fulfilling life's yearnings and you are someone who is who is doing that in your own unique way, what what would be your definition of that? That would be, at the end of the day, and you know what, actually, no, I'm going to go with this. I read somewhere that um, the ancient Egyptians practiced when they died, that when you died, you were asked three questions, and I think it was on the movie The Bucket List, Okay. where they ask you three questions. Were you loved? Did you love? And did you make someone happy? And I think that instead of waiting until the end of our lives, we should close our eyes at night and ask ourselves those three questions. Did you love? Were you loved? And did you make someone happy? If you're doing that, you are fulfilling life's journey. That should be what you leave. That is incredible. Man, I have, that, that is an awesome definition. So you said, did you love? Were you, were you loved, loved and, and did, did you make someone happy? I love it. That's fulfilling life's yearnings, and and that is incredible. So thank you again for for spending some time with me this afternoon, and it's it's awesome to speak with someone from you know a different state because I'm over here in Michigan. You're down there in Georgia. Someone that I feel like I you know probably known in a past life and just was able to connect with you you know so easily and that's what i love about um having having a guest on that's just willing to talk and and has so much value to share and so before we go i just wanted to ask is there uh any place that we can you know check you out at any websites or resources that you would like to share Absolutely. Um, you can reach me at my website at www.nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, hyphen, Delacroix, D-E-L-A-C-R-O-I-X.com. And I have all kind of contact information. You can also reach me on Twitter um, at Nicole Delacroix. And Facebook, I'm also on Facebook um, with my pages. It's writer Nicole Delacroix. And um, you can also pick up my new book, Sexual Confessional, Confidential Admissions from Social Media. It is available on Amazon and on Barnes & Nobles, um, both on Kindle and the Nook and in print version. 
Um, also, if you buy the print version for a dollar more, you can get a copy of Kindle for free. Uh, well, rather for a dollar more. <laughs> um, and I've also on my website, I have a purchase now. And if you purchase the Kindle version, you can um, go to my website and click on the autograph. And it will give you a digital message and autograph from me for free. Oh, awesome. So th thanks for sharing those. And I will include all of those links and how you can connect and reach out to Nicole and, and, and see her amazing works in today's episode on the website and also on episodes of it for the podcast. So again, uh, thank you, Nicole, for, for being on with me today and for the listeners. Uh, make sure you go back and, and listen to this episode again because there, there was a lot of insight and, and, and value and just true core concepts that Nicole shared with us today on fulfilling life's yearnings and just some things that you definitely will want to hear again and just to deeper understand or just to get thinking about you know life in a different way about what it means to not have fear or even if there is that fear there to, to live in your truth and to be honest with yourself about the things that, that you want to do and, and don't ever allow someone else to, to steal your life away from you and what I mean by that is by doing something that you don't want to do or also not doing something that you would you know you know possibly enjoy and and might even fulfill you by doing it be that person that you would you know love to talk about you you can do anything in the world you put your mind to you know i i definitely believe that and that's taught me you know even nicole has taught me great things about about what what it really means to have that 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 true communication with others and even yourself. So I'll leave on that note. And just as I always say, you know, go out there and, and be fly today. Do something, whatever it is, that makes you feel good and, and, and makes, you know, your loved ones feel good. Even if it's just calling up your friend that you haven't talked to in a while, you know, call them, you know, tell them you love them. Because as Nicole said, you just never know what's going to happen. And don't, go to bed regretting something don't don't do that just live for now in this moment and 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 express what it is that you have to give and and that's today's episode and again nicole thank you so much for being here well thank you so much for having me and i love you guys all right nicole we love you as well and we'll talk soon Thanks for listening to Fulfilling Life's Yearnings. I want to know what your biggest takeaway is, so please head on over to fulfillinglifesyearnings.com today and click on the show notes link for today's episode, which is located on the homepage, and leave a comment. The show notes page is where you can find the resources mentioned during the show and will be very valuable for you on your own journey. To stay up to date about what's happening, please subscribe to my newsletter and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And while you're subscribing on iTunes, it would definitely mean a lot to me if you would leave a review to show future potential listeners of Fulfilling Life's Yearnings what you think as your voice helps them decide that Fulfilling Life's Yearnings is right for them. Now it's in your hands. Are you ready to fly? Until next episode, 
stay in the zone, and make today a fly day by taking action on your dreams.